Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss ideas that can shape a sustainable food system, from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert DeGraff, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. On May 26, we will host the Regional Forum for the Future of Agriculture in Portugal, and free registration is open now on forumforagriculture.com. Make sure you don't miss it and sign up today. Before we get started, we would like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, the Nature Conservancy, Thought for Food, and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Food Systems. We have a very special interview for you today in the run-up to the FFA regional event in Portugal. We'll be speaking with Antonio Amorim. He is the CEO of Corticeira Amorim, one of a more than 150-year-old company that specializes in cork production, a unique ecosystem to the Iberian Peninsula and some other places. We'll be talking to him today. Mr. Amarim, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to start off for our listeners, because if they're not from your region, I imagine they may not be familiar. Can you briefly describe the, the cork, what is a cork forest and what is so unique about it? Well, let's start with the cork uh, uh, oak. Uh, cork oak is a tree that grows uh, mainly in the Mediterranean basin. Portugal and Spain represent 80% of the world's production of cork, and uh, the rest basically comes from North Africa and some uh, forests in Sardinia, Sicily, Corsica, and uh, some areas of Tuscany uh, as well. Portugal is then the, the number one world producer of cork with a market share of about 50% of the total production. What is cork? Cork is the bark of a cork oak tree that is an autochthonous species from this part of the world, taking 25 years from the time it is planted or from the time that the acorn generates a new tree to its first harvest, it takes 25 years. And then the cork tree is harvested from the first harvest onward every nine years to a maximum of 180, 200 years. So we are talking about a species that takes a long time, but also lasts a very long time in the Iberian and in the Mediterranean uh, basin. What is so special about this tree is that it uh, grows in scattered forests, so it's not uh, mostly a man-planted forest. About 7% of the Iberian forest is man-planted. The rest is spontaneously grown. And is one of the most important icons of sustainability, biodiversity that you have uh, in the world. You don't cut the tree to get the cork. You just peel the tree once every nine years. And then this bark is going to be used 
for several uh, purposes because for every single cubic centimeter of cork there are 40 million cells and 60% of that cellular structure is air that's why it's such a light material that's why it's such an impermeable material and that's why it's a material that has a unique resistance to temperature it's an insulating material, therefore, and it's a fantastic acoustic material because of its honeycomb cellular uh, uh, structure. So it's really a true example of sustainability on planet Earth. That's an interesting point to follow up on. You say it's grows, it takes 25 years to grow from acorn to a first harvest production of this, this tree. How does the cork industry then respond to demand if uh, do you plan 25 years in advance how do you where does more cork from if the if demand shoot up or is it simply a price mechanism no it's certainly an industry that has enormous growth potential because if sustainability is taken as seriously as the world seems to finally be addressing this issue i think this is an enormous opportunity for cork cork is mainly used for wine and wine-related applications, like wine bottles, champagne, and some spirits, for construction materials, uh, insulation, flooring, underlayment, and also for multiple applications from sports to shoes to even aerospace. So we believe that there is a huge potential of growth for such a unique, sustainable product. Don't forget that Every single ton produced in the world retains, captures 73 tons of CO2. So all the carbon, uh, all the foot, the carbon footprint of all the cork products is, of course, negative. How do you plan ahead? First of all, there is spontaneously grown trees. So you have about five, five and a half percent of trees that every year they come to give their first harvest. So it's naturally uh, born, reborn, replanted this forest. And uh, we as a group and some other cork farmers, we have intensive plans of densifying some uh, uh, of these forests and also increasing the plantation. There's a program in Portugal for us to plant about 50,000 hectares of new cork forest, not with the existing 50, 60 trees per hectare, but with an increasing uh, 400, 350, 400 trees per hectare uh, as we speak. We believe that we can do this also with a minimum drip irrigation system just to assist the first 10 years of these new plantations and once you have the first harvest that will be coming down from 25 to 10 you don't need any more water assistance and you go back to this nine year cycles from then onwards so that the cork features are not changed with the current uh, new plantation so we plan with this program to increase the national cork production in the next 10 years by about 30 to 35 percent more cork, which should be enough to foster the growth that we are forecasting for our activity. One of the things that, at least from my reading of the, the cork industry, as well as, as Portuguese agriculture in general, is that certainly uh, climate change is, is a big threat to, to the region. There's been some of the 
biggest droughts on record have been in recent years in Portugal. How is climate change impacting the cork forest and, and the production of cork? Well, it's certainly impacting, but but uh, as I said initially, this is a tree that was not imported from a foreign country. This is a tree that is somehow adapted to the local climate and the local soil that we have in Portugal. At the same time, from the first harvest onwards, is a tree that really requires uh, a very little quantity of uh, rainfall. We're talking about the areas where we have cork trees in Portugal and Spain, 400 to 600 millimeters uh, 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 a year. So it's certainly not a, a tree that demands a lot, but it's a tree that gives a lot back to the human to the humankind. There is a, a famous scientist that said that there is no such tree in the world that demands so little, giving so much. And I think this is really what Cork is all about. Uh, I believe that with the climate change, uh, there is going to be a serious investment in good forests. Forests that are not sensitive to forest fires. Forests that are adapted to local soil and climate. Forests that can fix people in the countryside, not allowing them to come and live to cities. And don't forget one thing. There are enormous... Uh, attributes that the cork forest generates. So I believe that if we really want to offset climate change, planting species like cork will certainly minimize the impact of those changes. So from one side, we need to protect our forests from the impact of climate change. And the only thing we can do is to densify these uh, uh, low average uh, number of trees per hectare that we have in Portugal and Spain. And the second thing is by investing in new cork plantations so that we can, of course, increase the capture potential of this forest, minimizing the impact of climate change. One of the ways that we've discussed with other guests on this podcast is maybe there's some things that could be expanded is payment for ecosystem service model. Do you think that there's a case for that type of model, the payment for ecosystem services, if you look at cork production and the cork industry? Is that something that is possible? We, we actually do, because we have to understand that the current model that demands 25 years and the new model that demands 10 years wait for the first harvest is really a very long period of time. So people should have an incentive to wait that long. And we believe that the incentive is by remunerating the posit positive externalities that come from the cork uh, forest. And from the cork forest does not come only cork. It comes cork, it comes CO2 capture, it comes, as you said, biodiversity. The cork forest is the 36th hot, most important hotspot for biodiversity in the world. Uh, you have the famous Iberian lens that everybody uh, is referring to in the last, uh, in the last uh, few years. You have also uh, the, the fact that uh, this is not dense enough and this is not a forest that uh, sparkles forest fires. So this is a forest that really contains uh, 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 forest uh, 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 fires. We have in Portugal uh, uh, a potential a system in which we can plant cork trees to minimize the impact that the, the cork, that the forest fires have on some other uh, species in, 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 in Portugal. There is another reason why we believe that uh, the positive externalities should have a remuneration, which is 
on the uh, on the subsoil of the of the cork forest you have probably the biggest water re reserves in the Armenian peninsula because this is a piece of land that because it's forbidden to cut cork trees that stays here without being without the soil being worked for 150 or 180 years so it's only uh, 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 serviced on the on the surface and not deep down which means that the water accumulates on the subsoil of the cork uh, 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 forest so we really believe that this is really an ecosystem cork is probably more than a forest it's an ecosystem that is humanized and we should have a remuneration for that. Amarim has conducted some studies that were validated also by some European institutions about 10 or 12 years ago on a criteria that should, um, that should be used to, the, to establish a remuneration for these positive externalities or for these services as you may want. But of course, the one that people speak the most is about uh, the CO2 capture that the cork trees day and night for 150, 180 years without, we don't chop the tree, so there is never an interruption to this CO2 capture along the longevity of this unique tree. Well, let's follow up a little bit about the question of incentives and remuneration. Uh, I know that your company, or at least many of its business units, have had uh, the FSC uh, label for forest management for a very long time. If you look at the FSC standard in particular, or these types of labels in particular, is it possible to do more? What should be the next step when it comes to these certificates? Should there be extra demands in FSC or in different systems? I think that uh, there should be clearly uh, 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 an, an obligation within those systems for people to replant, meaning that it's natural that uh, some of these uh, forests, they come to the end of their, of their life cycle. So we should have a replanting program to make sure that uh, those, uh, uh, the, the renovation of the forest is established. But I think that the FSC uh, and all these forest certifications, they should extend their scope to include criteria for the establishment and for the valorization of these uh, services from the ecosystem that you have in the forest. So I believe that uh, uh, from the forest does not come only come oak, or in our case does not come only cork. There is a, a well-being that is uh, uh, enjoyed by the planet that also comes from these forests and these certification systems should uh, broaden their scope to include some of these uh, criteria so that people would have a market value for the effort, especially on, on, on uh, species like cork that takes so long to get your payback from. So this is not a, a, a normal forest species that grows very fast. This is a slow growth uh, species that uh, somehow you need to find a compensation for people to invest long term in these unique species that you don't need to cut the tree. You just peel the bark of the tree. Amorim is a company that trades all over the world. How should multinational companies respond to a really much larger demand for measurable, impactful sustainability when it comes to international trade deals? I think that uh, you and I, and we all have a passport. 
I think that companies should have a ID as far as sustainability and as far as uh, the carbon footprint. They should have uh, an ID of how much they um, uh, capture or how much they release on CO2, for example. So, and the good thing about that is that uh, big multinational companies, once they have uh, a quantified ID of uh, carbon uh, retention or carbon emissions, they will be working to offset that. So, if we really create an ID, if you in, in management we say that you don't, uh, uh, what you cannot uh, uh, measure, you cannot manage. So, we should be able to measure in order to manage. And once you put a figure onto it, until you are carbon neutral or carbon negative, which is the case of the cork industry, then you don't stop. And then you invest in, in, in forests. Then you invest in your production uh, systems to minimize any impact. Then you invest in, in a positive packaging. So once you create a dynamics, because you know that, some, that the consumers in the world are screening your score on the, uh, the carbon uh, uh, emissions. I think that will be very, very important. And uh, I mean, we have governments that have committed to being carbon neutral in a certain 2050. So companies need also to help our governments meet those goals. But in reality, I think that we have to do a lot more because those goals should be accelerated. And in the world, you should privilege the consumption of, of, um, of products that are low in carbon emissions. And we also should uh, support the, uh, the investment in uh, uh, CO2 sink in the existence and creation of more forests. And that's basically what we as a company try to do. Put products out in the market with a carbon, with a negative carbon footprint. And because that market, in our point of view, will grow so much, we will need to invest in forests to produce more of that cork for us to continue our growth and putting even more products in the market in the future. So I think it's, we are in a virtual uh, positive circle. Cork being, of course, mainly known for wine stoppers in, in, in the wine and champagne production. One of the growth sectors has also recently certainly been uh, construction because of the properties that it has. If you look at that sector, how what are the barriers for, for more cork to be used in construction? Does, because there's a lot of construction now. It's only about insulation, about new sustainable new home building. How What are the barriers that you see in that market? Well, I think that uh, cork is certainly a sustainable material. I mean, you invest in a forest that takes ages for you to get your, your payback on, as I said. However, we have measures to, to accelerate uh, this potential uh, payback, but whatever we do is still going to be long. And I think that we should value these natural alternatives in a better way. First of all, uh, the intrinsic qualities of uh, the products that we put in the market. I think that these products can really compete with uh, any synthetic uh, material that is out there with one true advantage. First, they are, they are negative on the carbon footprint that uh, uh, on their uh, life cycle. Secondly, they have a huge longevity which is something that most of the synthetic materials do not have. We are recycling 
cork used for uh, cold chamber insulations 80 years ago and we're measuring the, the, the performance of that cork is the same as if it was produced two weeks ago, one week ago, yesterday. It's it does not change over 80 years. And I don't think you, you can say the same for most of the synthetic materials that are, that are out there. So I think that uh, you don't need to, from time to time, replace as long as you invest in natural materials. So there must be uh, an incentive for people to invest on pro products that probably will cost slightly more than the synthetic uh, uh, products that are being used today on most of the construction uh, business. For single individual homes, we see people being aware of that and opting for the best quality and the, 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 the longevity is something that appeals for real estate programs in which you build to sell a flat or to rent a flat. I do not think that this level of uh, detail is really taken in, into consideration. So in my point of view, I think that things like the quality of air that you breathe inside, even a, a, a floor, I mean, a floor that you can recycle, which is a cork floor, you can recycle it. A floor in which you have in your children's bedrooms and you don't get cold feet, anti-allergic. Uh, good on uh, reasons to impact. You let a, a, a glass fall and probably the glass is not going to, depend on the glass, of course, it's not going to break. So uh, the acoustic performance of uh, that fall. So those are unique materials, but that's a gift of nature. So it's not something that we have made inside our manufacturing plants. It's something that comes directly from nature, which is the cellular unique structure of cork. And I think that products that uh, give so much to the planet should be really uh, incentivized uh, in their use. So we're coming up on the end of the podcast, and I'd like to ask you the, the same question. This is the one question we ask of everybody who comes on, which is if you could give one idea or one concrete policy suggestion to create a more sustainable uh, food and forestry system, what would it be? I think that uh, uh, there is one thing that everybody and this pandemic made everybody aware, which is health. As long as we can prove that forests are important for your health, that a sustainable food system is important for your health condition, I don't think anybody would even argue, discuss the possibility of uh, intensifying their consumption of products that at the end of the day, they are positive for your health and positive for the upbringing of your children. So I think that we need to connect the whole of sustainability with the health. And uh, I think that we have a unique opportunity with this pandemic to exacerbate this point and making everybody aligned by having a sustainable world, a sustainable food system and a contribution to the well-being of, of the planet by consuming natural materials. And that has all to do not with the way that we are born, but with the way that we live in a healthy condition on this planet. Antonio Amorim, chairman of Cortisaira Amorim, thank you very much for joining the podcast today and we look forward to having one of your representatives take part at the FFA Regional uh, later this month in on the 26th. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at Forum Frag, for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day. Music.